This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. You're listening to the Husker CuzCast Sports Show. Now, here's Justin Fielder, Derek Stafford, and Tyler Schaefer. Support for Husker CuzCast comes from Manscaped who is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision engineer tools for your family jewels. Hey, fellas, while you're down there trimming the, the low-fro, you don't want to nick the nuts. That's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. Their lawnmower 2.0 has proprietary skin-safe technology, so this trimmer won't nick or snag your nuts. Manscaping accidents are finally a thing of the past. You don't use the same trim on your face as you're using on your balls. That's just disgusting. Manscaped also has the Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. You already put deodorant on your armpits. Why are you not putting deodorant on your, the smelliest part of your body? Get 20% off and free shipping with the code BIGHEADS at manscaped.com. Always use the right tools for the job. Your partner will thank you. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code BIGHEADS. One word at manscaped.com. That's right, 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com with the code BIGHEADS. Welcome to the Husker CuzCast Sports Show. Justin here along with the cousins, Sarah and Tyler. It's Iowa Week, or Iowa Hate Week as some people refer to it. Tyler, which is it? Iowa Hate Week. Is it? Okay. All right, well, we're going to get to Iowa here in a little bit. But first, we need to talk about the ass-whooping that Nebraska laid on Maryland. Going on the road and winning 54-7, to it was a fun game for Husker fans. It was the type of game that re-energized the fan base for sure. Uh, Derek, what are your overall thoughts of this game? You know, this is what I expected out of Nebraska from game one. Uh, you hope to God Nebraska maybe turned a corner. They were physical on, on the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. Defense looked aggressive. They were pumped up. They were hitting hard. Hell, they hurt three quarterbacks, and I wouldn't normally say that's a good thing, but you know you're hitting hard when that happens. Uh, we almost looked like Illinois' defense out there the way we were hitting. We were just smashing some guys. I thought it was pretty cool. Offensively, we ran the ball all over them. Our offensive line was opening up big holes. Uh, man, this, this was a great game, guys. It was It was against a bad team, but you're supposed to beat these bad teams by a good margin, and that's what they did. Tanner, what do you think? Well, you know, I want to throw out a couple of numbers here. Um, these are credited by uh, Seth Ashby on Twitter. Twitter by Seth Ashby. I don't know who this guy is or if he listens, but he just got a plug. But this was the uh, largest win Nebraska's had since 2014, the largest conference win since 2000, and the largest road conference win since 1996. Guys, this was a dominant game, and, and there's going to be a lot of talk and probably a lot of it so about how bad Maryland is. Guys, we've played some bad teams on the road before, and we don't do this. Um, there's a lot of things that broke our way, a lot of breaks, a lot of great plays, a lot of great players in this game. Um, but the, the, you know, to Derek's thing, I don't think I ever expected this type of game from the Huskers this season. I, I, I didn't think we were capable, and I thought we were a 10-win team. Uh, this, this was a this was a great game, great performance, and yet there's still areas of opportunity. 
Right. Well, before before we move on, Tyler, the reason I say I expect this from Game One is I was expecting this because we were playing South Alabama. I expect this against them, and I expect this against like the Northern Illinois, the bad teams, like the Purdue's. Like this is a game. If we play like this against Purdue, that's a completely different game. So, Derek, was this a good win, or was just was this just the product of playing a really bad team? Uh, probably a little bit of both. I don't. I don't want to make it out to be a bigger win than it is. But listen, guys, like we sat here and talked about. As a matter of fact, Tyler brought this up last week. We can't go on the road and not give up thirty-one points. He was surprised that none of us had our in our score prediction having Maryland scored thirty points or more. And look, we held these guys to seven points, and that seven points was a garbage touchdown that should never happened anyway. This this could have easily been a shutout, and you don't expect shutouts from a Scott Frost team. All right, let's focus on the uh, offense here quick, real quick. Tyler, what are your thoughts on the offense? What did you see? Well, I think for the second straight game, we did a great job running the ball. I mean, we ran for over 300 yards, um, you know, average 5.4 yards a carry. For the second straight game, Adrian Martinez was dynamic running the ball. Um, you know, I, I thought Dedrick Mills played well when he got the carries, but we didn't need him much, so... You know, you think you look good, good there. And this offensive line, guys, you know, it, it's a lot of ways turned the corner. I mean, this has been a unit through the first half of the season that was the most disappointing unit. This is two weeks in a row that it flat out won the line of scrimmage. So it's nice to see them turning a corner late in the season. Derek? Yeah, I mean, we had 99 yards more rushing than Maryland had total offense. Like, that's big, guys. Like, we had... Ten or six touchdowns to their nine first downs, and if you want to add the field goals in there, we had ten ten scores to their nine first downs. Like this was a good offensive game, but I don't even give the offense as much credit as I do that defense. That defense, we'll move on to that when you want. But man, well, let's talk about the offense a little bit more in detail. Uh, there's two guys here that we got to see plenty of in this game, which was. Uh, you know, a relief to some fans. Uh, Ramir Johnson at running back, you finally got some carries there and was actually showcased a little bit in this offense. And the crowd favorite, Luke McCaffrey. Tyler, talk about those guys. Well, I'm going to start with Luke McCaffrey, um, and I'll let Derek talk about Ramir. But I, I watched this game at a uh, Colorado watch site, and I'll tell you, every time that guy touched the ball, the crowd went crazy. Um, I, I am... I've been high on Luke McCaffrey since the day he came. You know, I don't know what his future brings, but my God, that guy's a special athlete. And you could see it. I mean, when he ran the ball late in that game, it it was dynamic. He literally looked like he couldn't be stopped. And he just kept the ball. And it was amazing. But he looked good at wide receiver. He had made a very difficult catch in the third quarter. Um, you know, he he made that nice pass on the reverse. I, I think that he is a guy that this week, with the lack of depth at, depth at wide receiver, was a great move by the coaches to find a way to get him on the field. So, no, I think it was a really nice game by Luke. So, Derek, you know, Scott Frost, he said today that Luke McCaffrey is a quarterback moving forward. But what, what do you think? Did you kind of like seeing him out there at wide receiver? Of course he's a quarterback. That's what we recruit him as. That's what he's going to be in the future. But it doesn't mean you can't play him at wide receiver too. I mean, come on. There's no reason you can't he can't play both positions. This kid's a smart kid. Uh you're gonna see him at wide receiver in this Iowa game. And it's 
going to be fun. I'm hoping he can break through and have a just massive game against these stupid Hawkeyes. Uh, yeah, I mean, of course he's going to be our quarterback, or not necessarily our quarterback. I mean, he's going to be our quarterback of the future. Uh, but you you definitely want that guy uh, pushing Adrian Martinez for some competition in the spring and fall next year because competition is only going to make both of them better anyway. Yeah, and, and don't forget about Noah Vedral in that quarterback competition. No, absolutely not. It's a good problem to have. It's a great problem to have. Uh, Ramir Johnson, he uh, he had a pretty decent game. Talk about that. I, I tell you, I uh, I thought he had a great game overall. He kind of reminded me of uh, uh, Wandell Robinson running the ball a little bit at the beginning. And not so much his style and not necessarily that. It was just the first three or four games watching Wondell Robinson was always like, man, he's just got to make that one make that one guy miss a tackle and he could go for a long time. And it was the same thing with Ramirez Johnson. Like, just get past that one guy and you had so much open field. On, on three or four runs, he just he got shoestring tackled a few times. It was tough for him. But I think he looked really good. He even looked decent running between the tackles a few times. Uh He's not going to be a powerful guy, but I he could, I mean, put some weight on him. Maybe he comes a little more powerful than what he is, but yeah, he, he's going to be a speedster, guys. And he, I, I thought he looked fast. I, I think he needs to be a little more patient when hitting the holes. He seemed to be t- trying to hit the holes right away, and I think sometimes if he just let the offensive line develop a, a little bit bigger hole, he'd have probably went for quite a while too. But that's a freshman thing. Like That's just – a young kid's going to make that kind of mistake. He had, he had a decent game for uh, very first game as a Husker. You know, I think uh, playing against Maryland's defense, I think that really helped him out with uh, the nerves and confidence there. But you know, it it was a, a fantastic game, but it was a serviceable game. Uh, Tyler, what did you think of Ramir? Yeah, I'm kind of with you guys here. I think you know you don't want to criticize too much because this was one of the better games we've seen in the last few years. But my criticism has been on the Ramir Johnson management throughout the season. I mean, I don't know what I expected to see, but the fact that he got 18 carries and looked as good as he did and what struggles we've seen at running back at points this season, I kind of wish when we got him the ball in those other three games, we'd have given him a chance to see maybe by game four, maybe he would have developed into a little bit more of a factor that maybe we could be looking at burning the get kids red shirt. But where it stands right now, I thought he played an okay game. I mean, the jury's out on what his future is. I, I didn't see a, the playmaker that, you know, is going to be the Heisman winner some days, but is he a potential starting running back at Lincoln someday? Maybe. Well, he was really just thrown into the fire in this game since uh, Diedrich Mills had the shits. So, you know, he was sick all week, and then, you know, all of a sudden you stopped seeing Diedrich Mills. Did Diedrich, Derek, did Diedrich Mills have any carries in the second half at all? Uh, not to my knowledge, Okay, no. So he was kind of thrown in there and just based off of that. But, no, it was good to see. You know, Husker fans have been clamoring for well, he, for He him. was in there for quite a few plays in the first was, half, too, right, though. Right, but, but, you know. But he took over for a majority of it in the second half because I think they wanted to rest uh, Diedrich Mills, yes. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, offense, that, that was a lot of fun seeing uh, all those points, you know. We we come up short, seems like, uh, quite a bit. Uh, speaking of coming up short, uh, Derek, what are your biggest pet peeves? 
Peeves is uh, missed opportunities in the red zone. Uh, we had four field goals from the red zone this game. What do you think? You know, it's irritating because we have talked a lot about capitalizing when you get the chances. And, and, and not that it needed to be a 70-7 to game, but this could have been a 70-7 to game, guys. Like, we could have easily scored nine touchdowns. We easily could have scored ten touchdowns on these guys. Easily. I mean, we had an interception in the, in the red zone. And the play call I thought was absolutely brilliant. Uh, the safety kind of hid behind the line. I don't think I don't think Adrian Martinez seen him, so he kind of thought he had easy throw, and he tried to make it too easy to Jack Stoll there in the corner of the end zone, and it got picked off. But that's one of those wasted opportunities. Uh, it's 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 a little hard, especially in a year like this where we've had so much troubles kicking that you complain about making four field goals in a game. But when you get to the eleven yard line. You need to capitalize because you can't win with field goals against teams like Iowa, Wisconsin, Ohio State. You're not going to beat those teams kicking four field goals, and you're probably not going to score six touchdowns on those guys. So you have to learn to capitalize when you get into the damn – not not even necessarily the red zone, but at least when you're getting to the 10-yard line or close to the 10-yard line, you need to capitalize with a touchdown. All right, let's move on to the defense. Uh you know, all of us headed into to, uh, the podcast last week when we gave our score predictions. We all saw Maryland scoring some points. You know, definitely more than seven. Uh, we didn't think that we were going to stop them. But seven points, Tyler, all in junk yardage. What would you think of that defense? Well, I mean, let's just say that. that I, I know that Maryland has is not a good team. And I know that we took out their starting quarterback. But for us to do what we did defensively, is shocking to me. There's no other way to put it. I mean, you look at what we did um, in in the passing game, averaging 2.7 yards per attempt. That's an amazing stat line. You look at what we did running the ball. If you take out that 56-yard run to blow that shutout late in the game, we gave up just over three yards a carry. A dominant defense. I mean, this is to give up less than three yards per play is phenomenal effort by this defense. I wanted this shutout, guys. I, I wish we'd have gotten it. I think that would have been really cool to see. Um, but, I, I mean, this defense had, I mean, as good a performance. I mean, I, I couldn't have imagined this. If you would have told me this was a scenario, I would not have believed you. Because there's been no evidence this defense could play like this on the road. Right. Go ahead, Doug. You know, the funny thing is, I want to talk about that touchdown. Because all you had to do was tap him. Because if you tap him, he probably fumbles the ball. Because he already fumbled it like three times in the game. Every time he touched the ball, I think he almost fumbled it. That, that Javon League was having a bad, bad game. Uh, but but I want to go into some of these stats. Tyler, you talk about that 58-yard run, right? That's one more yard than they had passing. That one play. That was 25% of their yardage on Nebraska was that one play. They only passed for 33% of their passes. We held them at 206 yards total offense. Uh, you guys know the last time we held a team to under 210 yards of offense? When? <laughs> it was 2016 against Maryland, the week before Iowa. Wow. That was also the last time we held somebody under 10, 10 first downs. 
they had four fumbles that, that helped us tremendously. But that was good tackling. Like That was the best tackling I've seen Nebraska have in a long, long, long time. DiCaprio Boodle surprised me this game, putting his helmet right right in the bread basket to knock a ball loose right at the beginning of the game. Yep. First play of, of, the, of the defensive game. Uh, we had six sacks in this game, four of them from our defensive line. That is phenomenal. Uh, they had zero red shirt, uh, red zone attempts, zero red red zone attempts. So you didn't even let them get on your side of the field much. It, this was an amazing game for this defense. This was a better game than I've seen since probably the o nine ten defense. And we played a lot tougher teams back then, but statistically, this was as that good of a game. Yeah, uh, I just want to point out, you know, Maryland—they are a bad team, but you know what? They had a lot of bad luck, like from the get-go in the first quarter of that game. They experienced so much bad luck that you know, usually that's what Nebraska does to bite themselves in the ass. You know, uh, we ended up punting. Uh, they, Derek, you just talked about it—they fumble on their that's first. Not- they fumble oh, on their okay. first snap, uh, and then Dismuke, you know, he gets in the red zone. We score a touchdown there, uh, kick off, and then, you know, we get the uh, ball back after they punt to us. We're punting. They stop us. We're punting, and then they get a personal foul for leaping the, the shield. How often do you even see that penalty? It's not very but- often. That that's not a luck play. That's a bonehead play. Okay, bad luck. I mean that. But the point is, that, that's, that's not bad luck. That's you, you made a bonehead play. Well, okay, you just won't the play. kicker. It was just the same thing. Well, it extends the drive. We get a touchdown. We kick off to them uh, with the little pooch kick there. They fumble it. We get the ball. I mean, it was just so much bad luck. And then you know, even the luck that came to our way with the Spielman touchdown, where it was ping pong catch. In the end zone. I mean, those are the plays that have bit Nebraska in the ass so many times the past couple of years. Uh, it was kind of nice to see uh, Maryland do that, but uh, I don't know. Tyler, what do you think? Well, I, I think you're right, Justin. I think we did catch every break. There was a point in this game I looked at Jordan and said, man, I want to save a little bit of this luck for Iowa. Um, I mean, because we, we got every break. And you know, maybe we were do some of these because I sure feel a lot of these have gone the opposite way this season. But I, I again, you know, Derek, you talked about tackling. I, I, I've been really impressed with DiCaprio Boodle at safety. I think that's been a little subtle move that a lot of fans may not have picked up on. I think since he has moved to safety, he has played a lot faster. He's been a lot more decisive. I, you know, I'll be curious to see what they do for him next year. Um, I do think him at corner makes a lot of sense too, but he's looked good. Justin, your boy, Luke Reimers, his limited action. He saw, he looked really good running down players. Um, Colin Miller, I thought played one of his better games. The Davis twins were disruptive. Colin Miller had the best game of his career. I mean, it it just, I, and it, so there's a lot of this that you could say Maryland sucks, but man, I haven't seen guys run at the ball. This decisive, I, I don't think I don't think we this whole season. I mean, th- this was not just Maryland sucking. This was us all over the field and making plays. Special teams we did well tackling. Again, I 
the only thing that I think we struggled a little bit was passing the ball, but we kind of already went through that on offense. But I no, I thought we played absolutely a damn near perfect game on defense. Uh, thoughts on special teams, uh, Derek, with you know Brody Belt, whether it's Brody Belt returning kickoffs or the, that little pooch kick that we saw there on our kickoffs. Hey, make fun of the pooch kick all you want, but you know what? Nebraska had 215 more yards kicking than they had total offense. All right. <laughs> so our little 42-yard kicks were making more than they were they were getting. Look, it was it was a smart move. Uh, you you watched us against Wisconsin. We kicked it deep. Our, we haven't found a place kicker all damn year. And even when they do, even on the place kicks, when when they're kicking off, they seem to kick these line drive kicks. It doesn't give our coverage time enough time to make to make the coverage, and you end up having one scored for a touchdown. So eliminate it and just kick it short. Give your t- get high and short, and maybe you get a bonehead play by the other team, and they muff a punt or muff the kickoff, and you get it from them. Worst case scenario is you don't, and they still have the ball maybe the 30 yard line but they didn't return the ball uh tyler did we find barrett pickering's replacement at kicker this game no i i'm not convinced of that yet i i he kicked a great game he did exactly what we asked for, from him i i think this is a noah vedral type situation except maybe not quite as bad where guy played a good game did what was asked of him i Let's see this guy make a forty-yard field goal. Let's see if he can what his range is. If he's automatic from inside thirty, okay, maybe we do like a Audi and Alex Henry type deal where you kind of have two different kickers. But I, I'm yet to see this guy have the range um, that Barrett Pickering has. But he was accurate. He did what we asked for him, and is the best we've had in special team from that position all season. Derek. Well, first off, there wasn't one of his kicks that wouldn't have been made from 40 yards by the looks of him. Second off, he was right down the middle of the pipe on all th- all three of his kicks. And he kicked from both hash marks, which Barrett Pickering seems to struggle from the right hash mark every time. So, yeah, I, I think yeah, if, if, he didn't, if he didn't find Pickering's replacement, you damn sure at least found him some good competition. Well, it sounds like Scott Frost asked him to come back next year, so... Uh, we'll see how that goes. Uh, let's get into Iowa, but first let's take a quick break to hear from another great podcast on the Big Heads Media Network. What is going on, everyone? My name is Q with the Time Skew Podcast. We are a fantasy football podcast where we want to help you win a fantasy football championship. We take strategy, analysis, and statistics and mold all those together in ways that we can help you, the listener, understand those big, hard-to-grasp topics, and you can apply them to your fantasy football team, and you can win a fantasy football championship we've got shows coming out every tuesday thursday and saturday you can check us out on twitter at timeskew pod facebook timeskew and instagram timeskew pod you can check us out on the web at timeskew.com and wherever you listen to podcasts apple spotify google youtube wherever you want again if you want to win a fantasy football championship make sure you follow us and check us out and we're back. Nebraska will face an 8-3 and three Iowa team on Friday. The Huskers are six-point underdogs at home. Uh, 
this is going to be the last Black Friday game for a couple of years. Thanks, Ikorst. Uh, what do you guys think of the Black Friday game? Game? Uh, do you like it, Tyler? Oh, I love it. Here's what I love about it. Because you have the Huskers on Black Friday, which is great. You're full. You're kind of hungover. You get to do that, have leftovers. And then Saturday, you have Michigan-Ohio State, the Iron Bowl, the, you know, all these great games on Saturday that I, no matter how the Huskers are doing, I can still enjoy a whole great Saturday football. I'm going to miss it. Thanks a lot, (laughs) I-Course. Derek, you feel the same? Absolutely. You know, this is a tradition going back as far as I can remember as a kid that Nebraska was playing on Black Friday. And it was always fun knowing, you know, when we were kids, it was always we went got together for Thanksgiving and we all had a good time. We'd all run around and act like dumbasses. And then the next day, we'd all get back together again for the game. It was always such a great time as kids, you know. And, and so I look at it now and I'm like, I love those Black Friday games. They, they've just always meant more. And here we are. And so 30... you hate to see them go away. But, you know, it's only for two years, so I think we could probably survive it. And here we are, 30 years later, us cousins are still acting like dumbasses. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. Uh, all right, uh, Derek, give us uh, your breakdown on Iowa. All right, we got, we got a tale of two teams here, boys. We have a good offense in Nebraska. We have a f- great offense in, 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 in Iowa. Uh, their offense struggles a lot. And outside of last week and maybe Northern Illinois and a few other games, our, our defense has really struggled all year. Uh, so this is really going to come down to the I, – I don't know. It's going to be a fun game, guys. They're – they don't run the ball well. I was really surprised to think that Iowa does not run the ball well. Makai Sargent, didn't he kick our ass last year a little bit? Or am I wrong? Was it another guy? I, I thought Makai Sargent had a really good game against us last year. That name does not At any sound. rate, he's only got a little over 400 yards this year, and he's their leading rusher. Uh, guys, this, is, this could be a fun game. Nebraska's got everything on the line as far as this is our Super Bowl, basically. You know, this is, or at least the semifinals to go to the Super Bowl for us because well, it's the only way we're making a bowl, most likely. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I don't know what Iowa has to play for other than trying to shut Nebraska down, but I, I think this is going to be a good slobber knocker fest, and I think it's going to be fun to watch. Tyler, what do you think? Well, you know, Derek, you, you know, you kind of hit there right on the head. This means everything for Nebraska. And, you know, I'm not saying this game doesn't mean anything to Iowa, but it's clear that we have more motivation. You know, you look at the Iowa team this year, you know, they, they are undoubtedly one of the better teams in college football. I think they are the best three-loss team in college football right now. But if you look at some of their games, in the since October... They have won one game by more than 10 points. Okay, They have played a lot of close games, win or lose. So Iowa has definitely not been dominant. Derek, you kind of alluded to the fact that this is not a typical Iowa team with the way they run the ball. But what Iowa is very typical is how good this defense is. This defense is fifth in the country. Um, It's given up the 13th fewest uh, total yards. They have been very dominant on that end of the football. Um, 
I, I, it's going to be very difficult for the Huskers to move the ball offensively uh, in order to win this game. Tyler, to keep on going with that, are there any other ways that Iowa can exploit Nebraska? I mean, you know, you look at their quarterback, uh, Nate Stanley, and there's a lot of people that believe he is one of the best quarterbacks Iowa has ever had. He has not had the season that a lot of people want. That that doesn't mean this man is not dangerous, and this does not mean this man cannot make plays against us, but he is completing just under 60% of his passes on the season. Um, he, he's been about as efficient as Adrian Martinez, but he has not been what a lot of people expected. But don't count him out Saturday because I would not be shocked to see him make some plays on our past defense, which, let's be real, has not been consistent throughout the season. What do you think, Derek? Are there any other ways that Iowa can exploit Nebraska? Well, sure, but before I get to that, I just want I just want to bring something up about, you know, you talk about their defense, but you realize that Khalil Davis has eight sacks, which is one more than A.J. Epinesa, which leads Iowa. He also beat, has him beaten tackles for loss with uh, ten to A.J. Epinesa's eight and a half. Uh, you know... <clears throat> Look, guys, they they do have a great defense, but I, statistically, Nebraska's defense per yardage wise is terrible. I mean, there's a big difference there. But when you look at per player, our our guys match up okay with them. Uh, eventually, it's going to come down to can Nebraska move the ball on their defense because yardage is going to matter. But it's also going to come down to what we talked about week in and week out capitalizing when you get into a red zone and unfortunately Iowa is number 31 in the country at stopping the red zone red zone on defense so they're pretty good at stopping people when they get into the red zone and we're not very good about getting into the into the end zone when we get there so that's one way they can definitely exploit us is if we can't capitalize when we get into the damn red zone. But it's something we've complained about all year. So I don't know if it's a new problem. Okay, I want to talk about the Husker offense here for a second, and primarily Wandale Robinson. Uh, Scott Frost is keeping his availability under wraps right now. Uh, the offense has looked pretty good the last two games in his absence. Do you think we focus too much trying to get Wandale the ball? And uh, do you think that Scott Frost calls a better game without Wandale in the lineup, Derek? Ah, I don't know if Scott Frost necessarily calls a better game without him in the lineup, but I do think we focus a little too much on getting him the ball. And I don't know if that's all Scott Frost or if it's partially Scott Frost and Adrian Martinez. or I, I don't know where the issue is, is exactly with that. But I do think that we focus – I think defenses have focused so much on, on stopping Wondell Robinson, and we still continue to try and give him the ball when he's in. And it's not – it's not that he plays bad. It's just kind of mediocre with him in there. And then our offense stutters, stutters a little too much. Tyler, what are your thoughts on Wendell Robinson and the offensive play calling? Yeah, I, I tend to agree that, you know, we probably focus a little bit too much on him. But I think a little bit of that was out of necessity at some point in the season. If you really look at the games, we really started utilizing them at a very high usage rate. It, it's the point in the year when Noah Vedrell took over. And it's the point in the season when Adrian Martinez was kind of struggling a little bit. We were kind of in between that Mo Washington phase. Diedrich Mills still had the fumble-itis. 
What I will say is, think about the possibility Saturday brings. If Because we know, unfortunately, Noah's out for the season, which is really tragic. And I know we've kind of bashed on the kid a little bit on this podcast. But, I mean, he, he has made some plays. He's been one of the more effective wide receivers. But my point is, is okay, so we're probably going to need more weapons on the outside. Let's say we put Luke McCaffrey back out there. And we have Wandell Robinson. And we have Diedrich Mills, who's kind of emerged. And Adrian Martinez. That's a J.D. Spielman. That's a lot for a defense to have to worry about. I mean, you have uh, four guys who can run the ball. Uh, five, if you count J.D. I mean, you have guys that can catch the ball on the outside and make plays. That That's, that's a dynamic offense that I think could be really scary for an Iowa defense to win. Because I'll tell you, if we play Iowa straight up offensively, we're not going to win. Wandell Robinson may not be necessary for a victory, but if he plays, I'm not on the bandwagon that we're a better team without Wandell. Thoughts, Derek? Well, I, I would have never said that he we were a better team necessarily without him. But with there Justin? were times that the there, there were times that the offense looked like it strolled better without him. Not that that makes us a better team without him. I I think that's uh, apples and oranges there, but. You know, I, I want to get into, you brought up uh, bringing Luke McCaffrey out to wide receiver and what, what that can bring. And I heard a lot of people talk about uh, whether we should have saved that till the Iowa game so we could have surprised him with it. But let me tell you what it did by bringing it to Maryland. Now they have to focus on that. So now we can bring him in and they have no clue. They, they're going to automatically think that we have some trick plays up our sleeves with McCaffrey out there. And on a short week, that's going to be tough to prepare for. And how much are they going to miss on our regular offense because they're preparing for the special shit? Uh, what do you guys uh, think that Nebraska is going to have to do to win this game, ultimately, uh, Tyler? I think this is a game that the black shirts have to show up. Um, you know, you talk about what I was done running the ball, and, you know, they kind of have a three-headed attack right now. Um, Torn Young, Goodson, um, uh, who is questionable for Saturday, and Sargent um, have all accumulated roughly the same yardage. Um, but but this is a game that if Nebraska is going to win, is going to be because of the black shirts. Guys, we, we are starting three seniors on the defensive line, two seniors at linebacker, senior secondary. These guys have been deprived of postseason play of their time in Nebraska. If there is a game for them to play the game of their lives, it's Saturday or Friday. Because besides Lamar Jackson, maybe the Davis twins have a shot, but they're not playing on Saturday, Sundays. They're not. And and this could be their last college football game. I, I expect to see them play their hearts out, and they have to. Because we've talked about that defense of Iowa is daunting. Derek, what do you think? Uh, three things. There's three things Nebraska needs to do. I, and, the, and I'm going to name them in no specific order. Uh, turnovers. We have to win the turnover battle. We can't be stupid with the ball. Uh, you know, that, that Maryland game got us back to zero on the turnover margin. We have 19 takeaways and 19 giveaways. Uh the problem is Iowa only gave has given the ball away six times this year. So it's going to be tough. But they don't have near as many takeaways either. They only have 16. So 
you got to be careful with the ball on offense. And if you can find a way to get the ball taken away from them, that's going to be huge for Nebraska. Uh, number two, physicality. I want to see every bit of energy and all the excitement and every bit of hitting and wanting to hurt, just crush people the way they did against Maryland. Because that's going to make a big difference in this game is physicality, especially in the lines of scrimmage. Uh, and, and number three, again, I say it every damn week, capitalize. You get in the red zone, we need touchdowns. Field goals are not going to win every game for you. And I, don't th- I think this is one of those games where you get in the red zone, you're going to have to get some touchdowns out of it, not just field goals. See, I, I disagree with you. There, just to the extent where I think this is a game that you're going to have to get points anytime that you can get points. So in the special teams play, you need a consistent kicker out there that you know that you can run out on the field and get three points. Whether that's Mark Waldock or Pickering or whoever they line up out there, I think field goals and special teams is going to be the real secret weapon of this uh, this game, it's going to be truly important. Field position in a game like this, you know, I mean, they have the ability to shut down our offense, and I think our defense can do an okay job at shutting down their defense. I don't think there's going to be a lot of points scored in this game, so that just brings uh, added pressure to special teams in the kicking game. Go ahead. I, I agree with you. I, I'm not trying to completely diminish field goals. You take the points when you can get them, but I still think you need to capitalize. Like if you get inside a ten yard line, you need to be able to score. And I, three points is fine, but you really would like to see six in there. Well, and, and I'm I'm going to tag on to what Justin said, Derek. I think the difference in that Wisconsin game a couple of weeks ago was largely special teams. You know, if we make that field goal, we have a little bit more confidence in our kicking game. Man, that that we might have been in that position late in that game to be playing for a game tying touchdown, or or something, as opposed to being down sixteen. I mean, th- th- there should have been at least two more field goals we could have added. One we missed. One I don't think the coaches had confidence. Special teams are going to play all the factor in the world. Let's be make be clear about this. Iowa is Wisconsin light. And and what if you're going to be confident? We saw Nebraska two weeks ago move the ball very well against Wisconsin. But the difference is, Wisconsin, Iowa doesn't have Jonathan Taylor. So, again, if you're looking for hope on Saturday with the emotions that I talked about, talked about the X's and O's that we've kind of hit on. But just the bottom line is, we saw this team two weeks ago. And there's a lot of evidence that we could play with them. Again, is that enough? Is it enough? And that's it's burning a hole in my stomach right now, just a fear that it may not be. All right. Well, maybe I need just need to rephrase it and say instead of just saying capitalize, we need the touchdowns. We need at least a score. Like okay, that, I, because that's that's the thing. Like Iowa does have a bend don't break defense that they give up 300 yards a game. And so you can move the ball on them, but you have to capitalize at least enough to get some points out of it. Maybe that's a better way to put it, and I think we need to, they need to have touchdowns or field goals. But I still think at some point you're going to have to put the ball in the end zone. Well, you will. And, and, and the thing is, Iowa scores. And when they get in the red zone, they're six in the country in, uh, in red zone offense. And, and they're going to score. They've got one of the best offensive lines in the country. They're, they're going to be physical. 
I, I have preached all year how I think this is a really good defensive line. At one point, I thought they were the best in the Big Ten. I'm off that horse, but I still think this defensive line has it in them. I still think it has it in them to go against probably the second best offensive line in the Big Ten, maybe third, and, and compete. And that's going to be a key to this. Make no mistake, I was still a physical team as they were last year. They are a physical team, but but they're not as physical as they were last year. At least not offensively. Defensively, yes, they are. Uh, offensively, they're a hundred and first in rushing offense. Like, I never thought I'd see the day because they always run the ball pretty well. They're also a hundred and second in scoring offense. So yes, they score some points, but it's not a lot. No, but they're still they still have eight wins. All right, guys, final question. So it's the final game of the regular season, bull eligibility on the line, a hated opponent coming to Lincoln. What is an acceptable outcome game-wise to you, Tyler? I mean, I you have to win. I mean, there's just too much on the line. It's year two of Scott Frost to not go bowling. I mean, this season is a failure. There's there's no twisting it around. You're not going to look back on this season and say this was a great year. This was a failure. If anything, we've got to get those extra practices. We have to be able to get this team developed and moved along. And to do that, the cleanest path is to beat Iowa. And I mean, so I think to answer your question, what is the acceptable performance? The only one is a victory against a really, really good team. Derek, what do you think? Uh, I, I want to agree with you, Tyler, but it's hard to right now because this is a team that we've all sat here for the last five or six weeks saying there's no way we can beat these guys. And so it's hard for me to sit here and go, well, we beat a bad team, as Justin stated earlier, to automatically thinking that this is a, that we automatically need to win this game. for the, Look, the season's shot. Like, we, bowl game or not, this season's a failure. We've already discussed this. Uh, we discussed at the beginning of the season. I think we all said seven or eight wins was the absolute minimum we could have for this season to be a success. So you're not going to get a success either way. Uh, so I think with that being said, the, the, the practices would be nice, but the free time to recruit could be nice too. So I say as long as you can keep this within a one-score game, it's acceptable, but I won't be happy unless we win. Um. I'm kind of with Tyler on this. I think uh, in a game like this, you're at home, senior day, uh, rival coming into town, hated rival, man. You, you got to you, you have to come away with the win. You have to. Plus, truthfully, our podcast needs it because it's going to be a long damn off season if we have to talk about what could have been over the next eight months or whatever till the next game. Uh, so we need a win. We need a bowl game. So anything less than a win is unacceptable. We're going to get to our score predictions here coming up. But first, we got to get to the games of the week. These games are picked straight up. What are the updated standings, Tyler? Well, you know, we, we all had a pretty good week last week. Justin, you had a little bit better than us. You went 6-0. and Derek and I went 5-1. and and so you're you're still in last, Justin, but uh, you made up a little ground. Uh, the standings are Justin, you're 54 and 19. Derek, you're 56 and 17. 
and I'm still eking out first place at 57 and 16. So this is uh, this is a big week. I think this is the best weekend of college football games I think we've had all year. I'm psyched for this weekend. So let's get into these picks. Oh yeah, we got we got some great games here. Game number one. Well, before you go, I gotta brag on us a little bit. How good is that that we're all that close and that good this year on picking these games? We're not normally that good. <laughs> no, this is our best year. I mean, this yeah. is easily our best year so far. Yeah. So, I'm proud of you. Proud yourself on the back there, Justin Tyler. Yeah, I'm doing it. I can't reach that far back, but I'm trying. <laughs> all right, game number one: Oklahoma minus thirteen at Oklahoma State. Tyler. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, this is a very intriguing game. Oklahoma right now is probably being underlooked um, in the country. I think they have a level in the tank that can definitely prove Jalen Hurts is going to New York. I don't think there's a doubt in my mind. He's great. Oklahoma State has three straight games of three picks. So it'll be interesting what they can do to stop him. Um, I, I think, though, this is a game that Oklahoma knows they need to win. They need to win convincingly to get voters. I think they show up in this rivalry, and they leave it on the field like an Oklahoma in this game. Derek? Oh, I tend to agree, and I think this all comes down to Jalen Hurts. Uh, neither team has a very good defense. So there's probably going to be a lot of scoring in this game. However, Jalen Hurts has 4,340 total yards this year, over 3,000 yards passing and over 1,000 yards rushing, which is absurd to me. That blew my mind when I read that. He also has 47 touchdowns this year. That That's crazy. So I, I think Jalen Hurts is the key factor. I think he's too much for Oklahoma State. Oklahoma probably ends up winning big. God, I'm trying to do the math in my head right now. Is that more than what Nebraska has? <laughs> <laughs> that might be I don't know so, somebody do the math on that uh, hey, I have, well, we have we, we have 4,700 yards and 312 points I don't know how much that equals out to touchdowns but alright well we'll figure that after the show uh, I have Oklahoma as well I was really disappointed in Oklahoma and what they uh, in the way that they struggled against TCU last week but uh, I think in this game, anything ha- can happen at Bedlam, but I think Oklahoma will walk away. Uh, Wisconsin minus two and a half at Minnesota. Tyler. Yeah, I mean, this this was literally the toughest game for me to pick all weekend. I've liked the Minnesota story this year. I think Minnesota isn't just a good store. I think they're a really good team. You know, Wisconsin was favored. You look a couple weeks ago when Iowa was favored. I think a lot of people kept buying them. Man, this is going to be a nail-biter of a game. I can't wait to watch it, but I'm going to go ultimately Wisconsin. Wins on the road and goes to the Big Ten Championship. Derek? Uh, I tend to disagree with you a little bit. Uh, I don't think this was the toughest game to call by any means. Uh, I think Wisconsin wins pretty easily. I think JT is just too much for Minnesota's defense. Uh Minnesota's they're 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 the Cinderella story. They were fun. They were a fun story while it lasted, but I think Wisconsin's just they're a great team, and Minnesota's a good team. So I think Wisconsin wins. Man, I tell you what, I I thought there'd be more of us going for Minnesota. I have Minnesota in this game. I think there's just too much on the line at home. They're in Minnesota. PJ Fleck is going to have these guys fired up. They know what's on the line here. Uh, Derek, what's up? Well, I, I also wanted to add, I, I also think that since Minnesota took the Paul Bunyan axe last year, 
Wisconsin's going to want it back. Oh, okay. So there's going to be a revenge factor in this game, too. People care about that stuff? <laughs> they do. I don't. Okay. They do. No, I, th- I think Minnesota, man. I, I, I tell you what, P.J. Fleck, he's going to have these guys fired up. They know what's on the line. Uh, Nebraska had good success moving the ball against Wisconsin. Uh, Minnesota can move the ball just as easy, and, and, but they can finish it. They can finish it. They can find the end zone. Minnesota has a better uh, better defense. I think it's going to be a fun game. I wish this game was in prime time instead of the 230 because I think this is my favorite game of the uh, weekend. But give me Minnesota, man. I I, I love it. I can't believe I'm rooting for P.J. I'll be rooting for Minnesota. I just don't think they can get it done. Uh, Game number three, Ohio State minus nine at Michigan. Tyler. Again, I think this is another good game. If you guys had asked me about a month and a half ago what I thought about this, I thought Ohio State would run the field away. You know, last week Ohio State played Penn State. That was kind of a fluky game that I think Penn State kind of got some breaks to stay in that game. But I'll tell you right now, I think Michigan is playing as good a ball as Penn State. Plus, it's in Ann Arbor. Plus, there's all the factors of what Michigan has gone through. I think there's a lot of momentum and reasons why Michigan could win. But here's the problem. Ohio State's the best team in the country. They're too good. I think this is going to be the biggest test of Ohio State to date. Um, I think it's going to be a really, really good game. But I go Ohio State winning it. Derek? Uh, It should be a a good game. And I think it'll be a close game. Uh, But at the end of the day, Justin Fields has... 33 touchdowns to one interception on the year. One interception on the whole year. Minnesota, Michigan's got a good defense, but I don't think they can contain uh, Justin Fields. And the, and the other big factor of the game is Chase Young. Like This kid is phenomenal. He's got, what, like 16 and a half sacks this year? And he, he's going to be too much. Shea Patterson's going to shit his pants when he when this guy comes at him. Oh, yeah, Shea Patterson, he's going to be on the run a lot. I tell you what, how fun is that Blow Chase Young to watch? Blow the whistle. Blow the whistle. Blow the whistle. Yeah, how fun is that Chase Young to watch? That dude, watching him against Penn State last week, that was just fun. I mean, what a monster. I mean, golly. I, I have Ohio State big in this game. I, I, don't, I don't see Michigan... Uh, hanging in too long. I think Ohio State's going to pull really pull away in the second half. They're not going to have the mistakes like they did last week. Uh, game number four, Alabama minus three and a half at Auburn. Tyler. You know, we, we kind of talked about Oklahoma needing a big win to win uh, show. You know, Alabama right now, there's a lot of people talking about the, things breaking for them making the college football playoffs. That's bullshit. You know, what means the only thing that means more to Auburn them them making the playoffs is them holding Alabama back. I think the for the first time all season there's a definitive better quarterback on the other side. I think Bo Nix is a better quarterback than uh Mac Jones is going to be. I think that the defense of Auburn is one of the better ones in the country. They're 13th overall. Ultimately though, I'm going to go Alabama. I just <laughs> But 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 here's what I say. This was very close to being my best bet of the weekend. I think it's at what a thirteen point spread, a twelve point, three and a half. Uh, huh? Three and a half. No. Is it really? Oh well, shit. Yes, it is. Well, <laughs> never mind. Maybe it would, that's why I didn't make it my best bet. Uh, 
No, but I think it's going to be a close game. It's going to come down to about that field goal mark. Um, but I think Alabama is going to pull it off because I just, I'm, I'm not buying that uh, outside of Bo Nix, there's enough weapons on this off, Auburn offense. All right, Derek. <sighs> wow. Uh, Tyler, do some research, would you? <laughs> I, I, you know what? I, I kid. I love I kid. Tyler's picks because he always makes the case for the other team, and then he picks and against he that team. Other. Yeah, he tries to be Lee Corso, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. Not so fast, my friends. <laughs> I mean, uh, put the basket head on. Now, Tyler, we talked. You talked about Oklahoma, Oklahoma State being the toughest game to call. This is the toughest I, that, game that, to that call was Michigan, by far. Uh, Michigan, Wisconsin, but never mind. I keep going. Whatever. There wasn't Michigan. Whatever. You already got your game screwed up anyway. Because Michigan don't play Wisconsin. Well, you know what I meant. Minnesota. They start with an M. How's that bourbon, okay. Tyler? I'm all out. At, at, at the end of the day, here, here's the story. Uh, Alabama's got no Tua. And I know his replacements looked okay and against crap teams, but this is the best defense they've probably faced outside of. Well, no, this is probably the best defense they've faced, and I don't think they can get it done with no Tua. Uh, Auburn's got a better defense, almost. They're pretty equal, but Auburn has a slight edge on defense against Alabama. But here's my here here's my difference: is uh, Auburn held LSU to twenty three points who has a way better offense than probably anybody else they've faced. And they held him to 23 points. Alabama's great defense gave up 46 points to LSU. So I think Auburn pulls out the surprise win this weekend in the Iron Bowl, being at home. I think Auburn knocks Alabama out of the playoff, and I could finally celebrate a friggin' Alabama free playoff. Well, how would the committee try to spin that to get Alabama back into the playoff, though? That's going to be tough. But they wouldn't drop out of the top eight. They'd still be in the top eight. I guarantee it. They'd probably still be in the top five, but that's not the point. <laughs> hey, I, I, I love that idea. I, I would love if Auburn could pull off the upset. I just don't think they will. Uh, I don't think Auburn's as great as uh, what some people are giving credit for. I I know that, you know, Tua's not playing, but the backup, he, he's going to be just plenty to get past Auburn. So give me Alabama. Uh, Alabama hasn't beat a top 25 team yet. They're not going to do well, it this weekend. They've only played you know one. Who? They've only played yeah, one. So. Well, I was going to say. Exactly. You know, Auburn's played four. They're more and they tested. Have one I win. They have one team. win against the top 25. I'm with you, Derek. This defense of Auburn is really good. I did do research. That's why I have them at 13th. I know their stats. Just missed the gambling <laughs> part because I suck at betting so much. But. Um, no, it, dude, I, again, this is another great game. This, this is another great game. This is going to be a classic Iron Bowl. And unfortunately, I think Alabama's going to win. And ESPN and the SEC biased media is going to make a field day about how great of a victory it is against Auburn. Auburn will probably stay in the top 20 with four losses. It's going to be absurd. But what, I mean, what are you going to do? Well, hey. Give ESPN some credit, man. They're going to Wisconsin, Minnesota instead of the Iron Bowl, which surprised the hell out of me because they've been at the Iron Bowl for like the last twenty years. So, well, yeah, they've never been to Minnesota, so it's kind of like, hey, let's let's check out Minneapolis in November. <laughs> <laughs> 
That'll be a fun trip. Go go check out the Mall of America, dumbass. <laughs> hey, uh, last game on the docket here. Cincinnati at Memphis. Memphis is 11-point favorites. Tyler. Well, I mean, I think Memphis has been on a roll as of late. Cincinnati's a really good team. I think this is a, another really fun matchup. Again, I'm excited to watch this. Um, but if you look at what Memphis has done lately, they've been dominant ending the season. Um, I, I got Memphis winning this game, and I think it should be a pretty fun one to watch. Derek? Uh, yeah, I agree. Uh, Cincinnati gave up 43 points to East Carolina, who was 4-7 and seven this year. And I think Memphis has a way better offense. And I think Memphis probably, not necessarily rolls away with it, but Memphis definitely comes away with the win at home. I think Memphis keeps this, or I'm sorry, I think Cincinnati keeps this one close. Memphis wins, but Cincinnati, I think they cover that 11 points. And I am really considering adding that to the to my uh, bets here. Speaking of bets, best bets. We went 3-0 and last week, gentlemen. First time this year Woo! we've gone 3-0. and Tyler, give us the updated standings. I mean, if you guys have been listening to Derek this year, you've been making money. Derek's 8-4-1. and one. If you've been listening to Justin and I, we apologize. Hopefully you enjoy the podcast because that's all the good <laughs> you're getting out of it. Uh, Justin, you're 5-8, and eight, but on a roll as late, 4 to the last 5, or 5 out of the last 6, I'm sorry. Um, and 4 out of the last 5, I guess, by turn. And I am 4-9 and nine on the year. Um, but yeah. The, the the case for best bet is still up for me and you. I got to beat Justin in everything. So yeah, let's but get you into won't. This. You won't. Eh, I always do. But I'm on a tear. You're it. not. Tyler, you're up. What's your best bet of the week? My best bet of the week is Boise State. Uh, I'm trying to pull up what I got him at. I apologize. Give me two seconds. Uh, da, 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 da. I got him at thirteen and a half minus thirteen and a half against Colorado State. Guys, here's the skinny. Colorado State's one of the worst teams in their conference. Boise State's been playing pretty good football as of late. Um, I mean, when you look at the matchup there, I think Boise State comes out and they've impressed. The only thing that concerns me is Boise State is five and five on the season, or five six and five in the season on the spread. Um, they haven't won some of the games big that people thought, but I think they show up in force this Saturday and win convincingly. And I like Boise State minus thirteen and a half. All right. Derek. All right. I took Utah, and they're 28.5-point favorites. It's a lot of points to cover. But listen, Colorado has been outscored 117-27 to in their last three road games. They uh, it, To include one of them at UCLA, where they lost 31-14. to Colorado's not good on the road. Utah's got something to play for, a lot more to play for than Colorado does. Utah needs a big victory against these guys heading into the uh, Pac-12 championship. Utah's eight and three against the spread. Uh, I, I think that's a safe bet, honestly. So you got Utah. And what is it? Was it Utah minus twenty-eight and a half? Utah minus twenty-eight and a half. Ooh, twenty-eight and a hook, man. Those uh, those always scare me there a little bit, but. Uh, I'm go. I'm bringing my best bet back to the Big Ten here. Uh, Northwestern plus nine and a half at Illinois. Uh, I think Northwestern. The last two games, they've kind of tried to show off a little bit, some a little bit of offense there. 
I think their defense can keep Illinois at bay. Uh, 9.5 points, man. I, I really love Northwestern in this spot. They have not quit on Pat, Pat Fitzgerald yet. And it's been so easy to them. They haven't won a lot of games this year. Uh, but I, I I really like this. I, I can't join you on that one. Uh, Illinois won too many games for me this year. They're also 8-3 and three against the spread. Uh, I think I've picked them on my best bet two or three times, and I think they've hit every time. So uh, I, I can't go against Illinois right now. All right. Uh, now it's time for our score prediction. Iowa minus six at Nebraska. Tyler, what's your score prediction? Guys, my, my heart is telling me Nebraska's going to win this game. I believe we need to win this game. I believe we have more to play for. But with how close this score prediction is and how seriously I take it, and knowing that I think nine out of ten times Iowa beats Nebraska, I I'm, I got to go to the Hawkeyes, and that breaks my heart. I got them 21-17, to 17, Iowa. Wow. What a Hawkeye fan. I did Jeez. not see that one coming. I really did not see that one coming. Uh, Derek? Uh, I, I disagree. I think Nebraska comes out hitting hard early and often. I think uh, it'll be fairly low scoring. Uh, but I, I think Nebraska's got more to play for. And I think the only thing I was worried about is stopping Nebraska. But as far as what their postseason is concerned, what are they, what are they worried about going to the Capitol Bowl or the Gator Bowl? At the end of the day, it doesn't matter to them. They're going to go with one of them no matter what. Nebraska needs this win. Nebraska's going to fight hard for Scott Frost. I got Nebraska winning 24-20. to 20. All right. Uh, Derek, I j- I'm just going to correct you a little bit. There's no doubt in my mind that Iowa, I- Iowa wants to come in and put the nail in the coffin and the Huskers and make- ensure the fact that they do not go to a bowl game. There's no doubt in my mind that is on their agenda. They've won the last four years. And uh, so I think they have the motivation there. However, I think there's motivation for these, for our team as well, to go out there, kick some ass, and get to a bowl game because the fans, we need it. We need it. So I think Nebraska wins 23 to 20. Derek, we're not too far off. I think uh, the special. The uh, special teams is going to be the ticket here. I think that is going to finally win us a game. After sucking all year long, special teams will win us this game. Well, and I'll also say, it just just feels like Nebraska's turned a corner. You know, it it took six games last year before Nebraska felt like they turned a corner. This year, unfortunately, it felt like nine, ten games before they turned a corner. But it feels like they've turned a corner. And I think... I really think they want to send these seniors out on a big win. Well, let me say this. You know, you look at the the in-game play for the Huskers. You know, the first quarter, we always played pretty well. Um, second quarter, we take a step back. Third quarter has always been a disaster. And fourth quarter, we usually show. Um, you know, I, I think you look at this season. First quarter, we played pretty well. Second quarter, we took a little step back. Third quarter was a disaster of the season. Maybe maybe this is a fourth quarter of the season where a good game against Wisconsin, a dominant win against Maryland, we beat the biggest victory of the Scott Foss regime against beating a legit top 15 team in the country right now. I I mean, I, I could buy that. I just, 
Guys, that defense, I, I made a comment weeks ago that I, and I didn't think either team would score 20 this Saturday. And unfortunately, I, I've seen too many holes in this defense. And the Maryland game hasn't made me forget them. And I just don't see Nebraska being able to score over 20. I just don't see it. All right, well. So if, if Nebraska is going to win, it's going to be because of the black shirts. All right, we'll see what happens. Uh, in the meantime, it's time for last call. No topics are off limits. Last call to you, Tyler. My last call goes out to a Husker. Uh, Christian Gaylord is in the process of applying for a six-year of eligibility. I think this is a kind of a cool story. You know, there's a lot of stuff about when college game day was in town. Uh, Gabriel Union wore his jersey number. I think this is a kid that has potential to play for us. I still think we've looked at our offensive line be spotty as spots. I think he'd be a great addition to come back. Plus, I just I hate to see someone's senior season ending without a snap. I hope he gets it. College football, grant him this wish. Derek. Good luck to the kid. I hope he gets it. Unfortunately, it's just another it's just a six year of riding the pine. <laughs> Jeez. Hey, I, I hope he gets it. Just add a little bit more competition to that offensive line, because damn it, we need it. Last call to you, Tyler, or Derek. All right. So uh, the Washington Redskins came away with a fairly big victory for them this weekend where their defense intercepted the ball with six seconds left on the clock. And Bill Callahan, the interim head coach there, went looking for his starting quarterback to go out for victory formation. Unfortunately... His starting quarterback, Dwayne Haskins, was out in the crowd taking selfies. So he had to send his backup quarterback to go out for victory formation. Maybe he just didn't want the negative yards on his stats, which doesn't make a lot of sense because his stats really weren't very good in the game anyway. But I don't know. Pay attention, dumbass. Hey, you know what? The guy's taking pictures for the kids, right? Just let him be. Let him be. It wasn't a kid. He was taking a picture with an adult. He's a dumbass. All right, <laughs> Tyler. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of people in Husker Nation that uh, that that blame Mike Riley for destroying Nebraska. Well, my hatred has always been for Mr. Bill Callahan. That asshole ruined my four years at Nebraska. He is the true <laughs> destroyer of Nebraska football. And I would expect nothing less from a Bill Callahan coach team than that fuck up. Hey, I tell you what, the only thing worse than being in college during the Bill Callahan era are the seniors at UNL right now. I mean, that is some <laughs> tough shit right there. Holy cow, you thought you had it rough. Wow. Uh, all right, last call to me, and my last call goes out to Greg Schiano. Uh, who just rejected an eight-year deal for $32 million from Ruggers. So Ruggers refused to guarantee new facilities and other improvements to include like indoor facility and a dramatic increase in assistant coaches' salaries. What is Ruggers doing? How are they not committed to winning? I think that's a generous salary. But you know what? You have to... You have to come full circle. You got to guarantee the rest just to be competitive. So it's it's kind of silly, especially the coach, the assistant coach's salaries. 
You know, why did, uh, was that fat ass that was at Wisconsin who left to go to Arkansas that used to own Nebraska? Bielma. Yes. He left. He owned us for one year, didn't he? Or was it two? Oh, it seemed like forever. One and a half. I don't know. But he wasn't there very long once we got here. But anyway, he, when, uh, he left Wisconsin because Wisconsin didn't want to boost assistant coaches' salaries. Come on, Ruggers. Be better. Be a better person. Do it. Tyler, what are your thoughts? Well, I'm on the opposite side. What the hell is Greg Schiano thinking? You know where Greg Schiano is going to coach next? Uh, no, no answers? Because he's probably not going to coach next. This is the best offer he was ever going to get. Let, let it go, dude. Take $100,000 less for your head coaches and be fine. $4 million for that screw-up? I mean, are you serious? He is not being a Division I football coach. He's going to be coaching Youngstown State. He's going to be the new defensive coordinator at Youngstown State. That's where he's going soon. <laughs> hey, you go where you got to go. But, I mean, if, you're, if, you're, if your athletic board, uh, director's not on board with helping you succeed... Why take the dumpster fire? Because if you do not succeed at Rutgers, then you're then you are definitely screwed. I mean, well, see, I, I get where he's coming from. You, 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 here's the thing: they're, you know what they're doing to show faith in the program? They're paying you four million dollars. That's what they're doing to show faith in but this program. But I need program. people with me. I can't do it by myself. I got to be able to pay some decent coordinators. Come do it with me. Then take three million and then pay those coordinators. I mean, if you're demanding a $4 million a year salary, I mean, that, that is in the top 30 in the program, in the country. Rutgers is in the top 70 program. That is absurd. Well, if you want to get up there, they're going to have to pay somebody to do it. I mean, they can go after Willie Taggart. I mean, maybe they can get lucky and he doesn't sign his guaranteed bonus there, too. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I, I, I just don't know. Who Ruggers is going to get better than Greg Schiano? I, I really don't. I mean, and I, and I don't know where Greg Schiano is going to go better than Rutgers. You, well, UNLV has an opening. Not that UNLV is a better job, but uh, they just fit fired Tony Sanchez. Who, who would you bet on right now, UNLV or Rutgers? Oh, if they if they played UNLV, if they played right 100%. now, yeah, yeah. Sure. Who would so, I bet so, on a yeah, twenty-one I would, point I would spread? Probably say UNLV might be the better job. Well, I don't know about that. <laughs> well, maybe it is. I don't know. Uh, I'd watch. You got a better chance of winning there. Yeah. Okay. You have to face Ohio here. State, Michigan, Penn State, Michigan State, Indiana. I mean, outside of that, they're okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get out of here, guys. Uh, this is kind of sad. This is the. Might be the last game that we get to preview, so it's not going to be. All right. Hey, hey, if you got, hey, you know what? I hope you guys are right because I did the math with me going five and one, and if I still can end up first place because the rest of my picks are golden. <laughs> All right. Well, special thanks to Connor Russell for putting this audio together for us. Be sure to follow the Husker Cuzcast on Twitter at Husker Cuzcast. Like us on Facebook. Look for our episodes on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, and now BigHeadsMedia.com. Rate, review, and subscribe. On behalf of Derek and Tyler, we want to thank everybody for listening. We'll be back next week to recap the Iowa game. See you then, and as always, go Big Red.